Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high rise in beautiful Beverly Hills, adjacent California, from the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a unique presence in Los Angeles comedy, a stand-up comic, an impressionist, a musician, and more as heard on Tony Hinchcliffe's Kill Tony and his own Jeremiah Wonders podcast. Hello and welcome, Jeremiah Watkins. Hello. <laughs> Was that Luke Schwartz in the uh, in your intro? Is he a comedy store guy? <laughs> yeah. Did he used to be a door guy? It, yeah. Is that a real? Is that a real intro he gave you? That happened. <laughs> At the belly room, and trust oh, me, man. trust me, I deserved it. Oh man! But now you know, we turned uh, turned lemons into lemonade, and yeah, we're here. It lives on forever. Yeah, forever. I think what a great clip. I think it sets the tone, dude. It's such like a you couldn't have written a more perfect like stand up comedy intro. Like ah, you know yeah. what I mean? I just what redeems it is the fact that there were at least four people there. And they're like, come on, who are like, come on, we come on, we know this. At least guy. we know who this fucking guy is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you're around the store. You live there. Uh, I'm there quite a bit. I'm there at least three, four nights a week doing shows. I'm curious how, as I said at, in the intro, you have a unique spot there. You would probably agree with that. I saw you, I don't know if it was, I saw you one time you were showcasing, I think, for like a paid regular spot, and you lip-synced the it, entire thing that you did. That was the showcase that got me passed, yeah. Okay. Passed, that's what they call it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love showbiz, yeah. man. I know, right? And you passed. passed. to the other side, and yeah, became a paid regular after that set, yeah. Right. And nobody's doing that kind of thing and I, I kind of feel like there's a very like orthodox view of what you can and can't do especially because there's two schools of comedy right there's like the mainstream and there's the alternative that i don't think would have been all that remarkable east of western yeah which is a street here in, in los angeles sure. why do you think you get away with that shit at the comedy store yeah well so I think that the main difference when people refer to alt comedy in a negative way mm-hmm. is that sometimes there's not punchlines to back up the weird. Does that make sense? Of course. So you're just being weird to be weird where I'm I consider like people are like, well, describe like what camp do you fall under? I'm like, I'm kind of like an alt club guy because I do kind of alty things but I perform more in club settings than I do in like you know maybe east side settings or alternative venues kind of thing uh, so I think I can get away with it because I found a way to still have that club mentality of hitting punchlines and making sure that there's a payoff to the bit so that way it's kind of allowed yeah that so makes... the secret is to actually still be funny yeah yeah it's not just like I'm just being bizarre and that's my art. You know, there's still like, there's hopefully a conclusion. There's hopefully like, you you feel like, oh, okay, I feel like there, that was a full-fledged bit that I just saw, not just like a, a fleeting kind of weird thought. I do find it interesting. Again, there's kind of, 
I, I, there's more than two kinds of stand up comedy, but you pretty much have mainstream, and then you have the you know the the art kind of stuff, and then you kind of just get into all the ethnic cubby holes and stuff like sure, that. Sure, yeah, yeah, and. Like, um, I think it's funny. Like, you know, I love Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's great, but I saw him weigh in on who is the Australian lady who did Nanette. Oh, Hannah Gadsby. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that yeah. became this big thing. And I assume he was commenting on that about how he was saying, you know, uh, oh, I'm, you know, now comedy cannot be funny. That's new to me. And everybody was sort of making that observation. It's crazy that we're contemplating comedy that's not funny. But I come from, and I think you do to some extent too, a music background mm-hmm. where. If one guy's doing jazz and another guy's doing death metal, they're both music, but right. the goal of what they're trying to accomplish is com- com- completely different, and nobody like kind of questions whether or not the other guy's thing is like real or qualifies as music. Totally, you know? I, I, I say all the time like you you might see like a lineup full of people, and my set might not like overall in the crowd get like the biggest laughs out of everybody but you're going to probably remember my set out of like a ton of people which is that's what i'd rather be as memorable than like oh that that guy killed is like yeah what was his name i have i have no idea he's just talking about that that one thing you know what i mean they can't really put a grasp yeah, he did the on bit the, about how it's hard talking to women in nowadays yeah it's yeah it's too. like you know how dating in la is <laughs> tough or something i don't know i don't this the way he did it, it was funny like yeah 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 i get that so so, but how did you break in? Is it like I don't know where you came from exactly? Is it did did you get involved with Tony Hinchcliffe and that's what kind of got you before you were formally passed into this store? Because mm-hmm. I've seen, I'm sure many people listening to this have seen the clip of you doing an impression of Joe Rogan in front of Joe Rogan, right? Right, and that's like a high wire act. You've, yeah, you've got to you got to nail that. Yeah, uh, I've I had known Joe for years before that, but uh, it was one of those things where if he didn't like that. That sh- that could have been like a kind of a bad mark on me for a while because yes. he's a big presence in the scene. And if, as, if as he- Frank Sinatra was to the Sands, so is Joe Rogan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I feel like if I would have like ate it doing the impression, or he didn't like my take of him, then he he could have been like, oh, this is how this guy thinks of me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then could have been offended, but he took it really well fortunately do you have conversations with other comics about like uh like is it all you or somebody going oh throw in some elk jerky too he'd love that no that was that was one of those things where that impression was i was very secretive about that i did not want anybody to know the only people who knew were uh my bandmates from that night uh who were on the show it was Pat Reagan, Chris Dillon, and Joel Jimenez. I was like, hey, I'm showing up right before I go on. I'm not going to be there. Tell Tony, like, don't worry. Like, I <laughs> got it covered. But I didn't want it getting leaked because I was like, that's something that will, like, oh, Jeremiah might be doing a Joe Rogan impression. That will spread like wild, wildfire, like, around the store, especially if he's on the show. So I was like, just don't let anybody know anything about this. I got this special bit this planned and set it up like this, you know? So, <laughs> well, it landed. All's well that ends well. So you're um, you're from Kansas. Yeah, from Kansas. You're a guy named Jeremiah. Yes. Real name. Real name is Jeremiah. Yeah. <laughs> from Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Now, as that's the first time somebody's been like, "Now is that your real name, Jeremiah?" <laughs> it's a very Kansasy name. Now, because as a as a as a coastal elite, I obviously have certain preconceptions about what happens in flyover country. Okay, let's um, talk about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's get into it. I'm picturing a lot of guys named Jeremiah. Okay. And then I'm like, no, come on, dude. You know, free your mind. Most of them are probably named Braden now. <laughs> I kid. But uh, how is... I haven't spent a lot of time in Kansas. I drove around the perimeter of the U.S. I miss most of the middle. Okay. So how is, how is growing up in Kansas different maybe from what I might be assuming? So... It's very down to earth people, very nice, very. Uh, people can usually take a joke there pretty well. Sarcasm is is very fun, like like it's very well accepted in the Midwest. No shit, because yeah. yep. I almost got my ass kicked in North Dakota, South one of the Dakotas, because I found people th- took what I everything that I said literally. Well, that I mean, that's maybe that's a Dakota thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, as far like Kansas, yeah. Missouri, Nebraska, like the Iowa, like all of those, like kind of Midwestern Chicago, like all that people like love sarcasm. People like are very into that sense of humor. Uh, and I would just say, I don't, I don't know, anybody who I meet from the Midwest or Kansas are super open to helping each other out, especially out here. Like they're very much like, oh, you're from here. Let me do whatever I can to help you, you know, try to get ahead out here. Um, so I don't know, more conservative for sure, obviously, uh, like in that area, but it's not too crazy different. I mean, everything is just slower paced there, you know, like everything, like people find it crazy, like my schedule and a comedian schedule out here. Cause I'm still like wanting to be out and about and it's like 10, 11 o'clock and they're like, everything's like shutting down here. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I've always found people from the Midwest are people who will help you move. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. My brother helped me move out here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always found uh, family members, <laughs> luckily in my, you know, I, yeah, yeah, those yeah. of us who are fortunate, our family members do tend to help us out from time to time. But yeah. uh, my wife was raised in um, Wisconsin. Okay. Which cool. is not the exact same place, but yeah. we've we've moved like 15 times and like three different times it's been with three different dudes from Wisconsin. Oh, really? That's been my experience. See? Salt of the earth, good people. No, no, absolutely. They're the best America has to offer. Yeah. I think. All, um, all things considered. So I met you, I think, for the first time on Josh Wolf's like Facebook show, and you were doing a really, really credible emo character, which I think fairly obviously was born of intense experience in that scene. Yeah, uh, his name is Darwin. Nobody gets him. Uh, he doesn't feel like he's accepted anywhere. <laughs> and uh, it's definitely a parody of, I knew kids like that in high school but that was not you that wasn't me i think i want like i think at times like i really enjoy the music and the culture that came from emo and pop punk and stuff like that so i'm very familiar with that like get away from me like nobody understands who i am like like i i get that what you just did oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) it's poetry it's darwin he's coming out (laughs) he's creeping out right now but yeah i i grew up around that and i definitely like knew i was friends with people like that and i i feel like i'm still friends with a couple people (laughs) who are kind of in that vein keeping the dream Uh, alive yeah they're keeping the dream alive man well there's always that thing right that you kind of freeze in the last uh uh, phase of your life where everything was clicking for you. That's why yeah. I often wonder, like, if this is the last haircut I'll ever have. Right. Like, if this is just the last time that I'm like, things are basically all put together. Yeah, things are good right now. 
and I'll just be like that 70 year old guy with a flat top because yeah. he was kicking ass in 62 yeah dude right and so they like they tone it down a little bit because you, you you can't help but change with the time a little bit but yeah I guess there are some people out there who emo worked out very very well for them and they're yeah. always just gonna have some bangs a little bit of a chip on their shoulder <laughs> yeah. a little bit you know there's always gonna be some hair in their eyes and yep. they're gonna flick it out of the way and it's just gonna fall <laughs> right back swoop there. man <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but you are a musician, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess that at some point you took that, like, that was your thing thing. Um, well, it was, it was my thing for a while, like throughout like grade school and even like going into middle school and part of high school. Uh, I used to take lessons all the time. I I played my sax all the time. Oh, that's really your primary instrument? That's my primary instrument. So what's up with that? What's up with that? Dude, so I... I saw like years ago, uh, I saw somebody playing the saxophone and it, it was one of those things where instantly I was a kid whenever I saw it and, and it blew my mind. I'd never seen a saxophone before. And I, and I asked my parents, I was like, what, what is that? And I go, it's a, it's a saxophone. I was like, that's you know. our president. We're watching our Hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was just like blown away by it. And, and I kept asking about it and they're like, well, if you really want to do this, like we can figure out a way to get you lessons or something. And started taking lessons and I started working odd jobs and stuff to start paying off this, you know, used saxophone that I play. I ended up playing for that same sax. I, uh, after we paid it off, I played it for 20 years. I just now got a brand new saxophone like over Christmas time. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Your first new one. I uh, dude, it really was. Yeah. And it was somebody who, who was a, a fan of, uh, my podcast, Jeremiah Wonders and, and, uh, and Kill Tony that sent it to me, which that made it even more special. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you guys get kind of swagged out, huh? There's like a real passionate fan base there. There's yeah, they're they're you're into, a very, the, you're into the fan art area. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of talented artists who listen to the show, and they'll send drawings or animations, and I love reposting that stuff because I'm like, that's something I really any kind of art that I am bad at or I can't do, I always really appreciate, and I'm a horrible I'm horrible at drawing, yeah, and I'm illustrating same, same stuff. Like I'm pathetic. a stick figure kind of guy, and. Whenever I see somebody like illustrate something like really well, I'm like, wow, <laughs> how were you born with this gift? That's amazing. And then, okay, so when, so you never actually thought you were going to be like a professional saxophonist? No, at some point I thought that I was going to go pro. Well, whenever I was growing up, I thought that I was uh, going, one of my what ifs is uh, I thought I was going to go pro uh, playing soccer back in the day. I was a really good goalie. And this okay. is like whenever I was younger, but like I started traveling and like we started doing like tournaments and we started like getting sponsors and stuff like that. And my dad's like, he like cut it off. He's like, no, you can't, you can't travel. Like a lot of the games are on Sunday. Like I grew up like in a conservative household. He's like, a lot of these tournaments are on Sunday. Like this is getting too expensive. Like you're, you're a kid kind of like you need to focus on like school and stuff. And like that kind of just closed that door. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's not happening. You think you had the goods, maybe, potentially? I think I did because it's. I mean, it. it I stopped early, but it was one of those things where I was ranked in the state, mm-hmm. like as as a goalie and stuff like that, and I was kind of fearless as far as if <laughs> if somebody was coming inside like the goal box, like I had no problem like going out and like showing like having a showdown with them, like like going up and completely just going for the ball, which. 
I got like kicked in the face a couple times and stuff like that, just That's going the for the ball. And, there, yeah, yeah. I just I've always had kind of like that fearless, like let's go, I'll do whatever it takes, like uh-huh. a thousand percent commitment. Do you have other what ifs? Other roads not taken? Other sliding doors? Is a reference I keep making that I, without ever actually having seen the movie. The I was o- trying to explain alternate universes to a seven year old this morning. Oh yeah, alternate universes. Uh, you know, different timelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, like you put that shirt on, but what if you put a different shirt on? Yeah, there's, there's another. This could have led to a, another series of what, events. What that could have led to another this you point out in your there life. right now? Yeah. Which, yeah, he definitely got. That he's definitely yeah, yeah, he's that. like, oh, sh- okay, sure. Dad, yeah. can we just go see Spider Man Multiverse? It's <laughs> yeah. so fucking why did I ask this question? <laughs> you're like, yes, yeah, son, I'm trying to teach you about the movie that you're about to yeah, see but right first now. First, I'm gonna teach you about relativity, <laughs> you or else you won't get it. All right, let's break this down, Dad, Spider Man, now, please. <laughs> yeah, I uh, get the popcorn, just listen. One of my other uh, what ifs, and this is one of those things where it's not so, so much a what if, I definitely could have made a career eventually out of uh, uh, working in radio in Kansas City because that's what I used to do before I moved out to L.A. because one of my buddies who I was actually working with at the time, he, I've been out here in L.A. uh, In July, it'll be 10 years. He is still at the, the, uh, he works for Intercom in Kansas City. He's still there and he just got his own time slot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it took, it took that long, but, he got his own time slot finally and we were we were trying to get our own time slot back in the day like we were trying to do like a midnight show and they're like no there's not like enough demand for it all this stuff and uh because i used to work mornings and then my uh my boss at the time he got fired then they put me in the promotions department and then the new lady's like oh because you worked for that guy you'll never work for me and she just got fired last year that's how long she was there so like it would have taken me that long just to get over that hump, which is, you know, it's crazy. It's the exact same uh, conundrum as uh, journalists. People will start running around covering, you know, high school sports and stuff like that, and they go, I'll just pay my dues, and then I'll be a columnist someday. And 25 years later, the same columnist is still writing the same blowhard, you know, the Chargers just don't want it enough. (laughs) Right. And that's just the way that is. And, 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 you know, I wouldn't say this to your friend, but the Internet's done such an end around on all those people who are – playing by the rules and waiting yeah. their turn all of a sudden you you kind of didn't need to be doing that looking it's crazy backwards. yeah yeah okay so you could have been a radio guy but it's probably best that you didn't how old are you i'm 30 okay so you've been here for oh you moved out here when you were yeah, yeah. I, I got that radio job i was super fortunate i got it whenever i was 19 and i was doing no all, college uh i did two years at a community college so and, no college so yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> my yeah. i got a associate of the arts degree so uh yeah that doesn't really get taken very seriously <laughs> The applications, and uh, it actually hurts me. They're like, "Oh, you should have, uh, yeah. you should have finished." This is actually worse than, <laughs> than if you just would have gone Why don't you after. Just high go to school. Australia and find yourself. Yeah, come on, man. So you mentioned uh, church too. Very religious. Growing up, yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up, yeah, we went to church like three times a week at some point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it, I was raised. I went the whole. But it was Catholic. It's weird. It's a Catholic right. is sort of like the Jewish of. Uh, of the Christians, sure, where it's like culturally very significant, but it actually doesn't make any impact impact on anybody's inner life, right? You know, yeah, it was just a lot of smells and bells, right? Is, is a lot of it, formalities, like this is traditional, like yeah. we do this, this, and this, yeah, yeah, I yeah, get that. yeah. Throw yeah. this thing around your neck, where the dead guy on the stick, <laughs> right? You know, how make dare, these hand motions. How dare you say these th- those things that we, sure. we all agree that we don't say? Of course. But did you? What kind of stuff? Again, I'm totally projecting in the most elitist way possible i'm picturing you going to more of like children of the corn type church 
<laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so there was a couple churches that we went to that I look back on now that I'm like, this felt way too strange. You know what I mean? That Like, this wasn't the, in my opinion, this wasn't the good side of religion. Like We're talking about like snakes? Not quite, but my buddy Josh Adam Myers always makes fun of me. He's like, I know you handled snakes, man. I know. <laughs> I know you guys did that. Uh, no, I went to, but I did go to like a, a friend's church that they were like Pentecostal and they were like speaking in tongues and stuff like that. That was, that was the strangest church experience. Did I've you ever know had. that about your buddy before he started speaking in tongues? Uh, dude, so my dad was like, well, we'll just go there to like, kind of as like a solidarity thing. Like he was like, as a sign of respect, like he invited us, like, we'll just go to like one time to be like, yeah, okay, buddy. Yeah. We, we went to your church. We're, you know, this That's isn't cool. our thing, but yeah, we went to experience it and it was pretty bizarre. There are people speaking in tongues and there's uh they call it running the aisles. They had women and men like running the aisles, like, uh, praising Jesus, like running, like literally doing like laps. You're raising, the, you're raising the roof with your hands. Yeah. I'm raising. Can. Yeah. <laughs> like putting the hands. I don't know. It's very, yeah. Yeah. I've never been in that environment. Like, so how old are you when you're there? I probably was like 10 or 11. Okay. So it's, do you see through the illusion and go, wow, why is anybody falling for this? Or are you going like, oh my God, there's some black magic happening here. I, I don't. I never suspected that. I think that everybody expresses how they pray and how they express their religion very differently. Uh, I'm very the the way I look at it now is I'm I'm not a huge fan of like religion in general, but I'm more a fan of like what it's trying to do, like trying to teach. You know what I mean? Sure. Like so organized religion, I feel like is is where everything gets kind of messed up because that's where people get involved. But the teachings are yeah. solid. You right. know, like doing to others you have them doing to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> If well, you and, can and, do and, that, that's great. And there's power. That's the whole thing. People criticize the medieval church, and it's like there was a lot of power in the church, and power attracts assholes, and then all of a sudden you have the asshole, yeah. the asshole church. Yeah, then you're getting the wrong people involved, and that's what. then you start yeah. associating that with— As soon as they're the community leader, and they're the ones who get the best table at the restaurant and shit like that, and you know start driving Cadillacs, your, your religion's going to go to shit pretty quickly. Yeah, so I had some bad experiences with some people like within the church, and I'm like, this is like the opposite of what— you know, is is what you're teaching. You're like literally doing the opposite, which right is it's like a huge turnoff to me. I was like, just rather be a good person rather than try to shove it down people's throats. And, you know, yeah, that all makes sense to me. Are you uh, a real skateboarder? I just saw you eating shit one time. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love skateboarding, but I'm not good. I I I love it. It's such a. a a fun release and it's it's a it's an adrenaline rush that you get from it but uh, i broke my arm doing it last yeah, so, year but like was that something where you're like oh this will be funny i'll i bet i could roll into a bowl or was that like you had some experience and that was a bad day that was a bad day uh i had dropped in before that which a lot of people don't know that i had dropped in before that on smaller things but i i just bit off a little bit more than i could chew like it was it was too steep and it was a little bit too tall for my skill level. Like I just, yeah, I just ate it. Like I, my, my foot slipped off the front of the board and I just pancaked down and all the weight went on my arm and it just broke immediately. Yeah. It's nerve wracking when the video is called, watch me shatter my arm. And then it's not 
so much the uh, the event as the anticipation of when you're going. I'm gonna oh, go. it's I'm, so I'm, cringy. I'm going to go. No, no, no. You should go. Yeah, dude, I'm totally going to go. And it, that that's the bit that's actually very hard to watch. And I guess when I, uh, I've never successfully ridden a skateboard in my entire life, I always assume it would end badly. But if I were to do what you did, I always picture myself falling backwards and getting hurt. I actually feel like if I were to fall forward, I would just fall, and that would not feel good. But it, you know, no, no lasting damage. And clearly, I'm dead wrong about that based on your experience. Yeah, I all my weight went forward on on that one. I w- I wish I would have fell backwards because I had a helmet on. That actually would have been better for me than the situation. But I fell like all my weight forward, and oof, I knew right away. Like I was, I was just lying there. I was like, I think I. I, I've never broken a bone before, but I've like had bad sprains and I like couldn't move my arm. I was like, I think I just broke my arm. It's not that awful. I broke one bone when I was a kid and you just, oh. you just, it's not even pain. It's just your body's just like, uh, I don't know. It's like when you're playing a video game and Mario just fucking falls off the bottom of the screen. You just, yeah. you just know you're done. Well, yeah, I, we, and we took a break where I was lying on the benches that was next to the skate park just to see if I, you know, just had the wind knocked out of me or whatever. And it was just like, and then I was just still like shaking and, 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 and pain. And I was like, we got to go to the hospital guys. I was with a, a few friends and my buddy had to drive my car. I couldn't do anything. I was literally like so out of it. And yeah, it was a mess. It was more the drive to the hospital was worse because you're wondering like, did I break it? If I broke my arm, I have a couple of months now that are going to be affected from this one incident. Like, because I'm a comedian, I'm on stage every night. I started thinking of all that stuff rather than like, Oh, like it'll be fine. I started being like, Oh, I think I have a lot of consequences for this action that I just, just needlessly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming by, uh, Jeremiah. If people want to find you, you are at Jeremiah Stand Up on all applicable social on media. On all applicable social medias. That's cool. And you got the uh, Jeremiah Wonders podcast. Yeah. And uh, I have a uh, an album dropping soon with my boy Patty Reagan, our our, uh-huh. our music project, Reagan and Watkins. Yeah. Oh, you guys had Polly Shore in a music video at one yeah. point. Yeah. 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 We just uh, released that right before the holidays. That was, yeah. It's called Stepdad. Uh, mm-hmm. With Polly Shore, you got to check that out on YouTube. It's uh, you forget how funny Polly Shore is. He's he's so good. There's a reason why he was he's so big and like you know yeah he's great and he's aged into a really nice uh, flavor of slimy for that role. <laughs> oh, he's just exactly he's what the role the calls perfect for. stepdad. <laughs> yeah. He literally is like the best stepdad that we could have cast for that. Yeah, great. And where can people get that album when it, it is available? Uh, that'll be on all platform spotify itunes all that stuff so that'll be out hopefully in march beautiful thank you yeah buddy we're back on the tully show i gotta cut out this wee thing not i mean i'm such a one-man band chad zumach that music you're listening to also me is that you i am back on the tully show and joining me now, a returning friend and a uh, talented podcaster, funny man, Chad Zumach. Funny man, Chad Zumach. All I'm right. I'm never going to let that go. Do, do people do stay, st- you do a lot of uh, like top 40 stuff, I'm assuming, local radio. Does anybody actually still say t- uh, funny man for real? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of stations. It's funny, man. It's the best. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Never the, let it so, die. <laughs> such a radio hack. Yeah. <laughs> 
Funny man. He'll be at the St. Louis Funny Bone this Friday through Saturday. And you were once a radio hack yourself. I was a radio personality. Like, oh, I, so you, Wait, so I forget. Were you doing talk or were you doing music? Talk. Talk. Oh, that's a whole different, that's a different brand of cheese entirely. Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny. I, it was in Cleveland, my hometown. I talked about it on the show before. I, uh, I, I was opening for Daniel Tosh at Hilarities in the PD saw me and they were they were putting together a show and they went, they needed a co-host and I wanted to get into radio cuz I loved Artie uh, Lang on Howard Stern. I was a big Stern guy when he was on Terrestrial. So I was like, "Yes, this is like my dream come true, my hometown and and I got the gig for 3 years and then I blew it." <laughs> easy come easy go, right? Easy come easy go, Mike Tully. So you've been on the road a whole bunch. How's that? For the past four and a half years, I've been grinding so much to the point where I just I don't want to do I I love stand up don't get me wrong but I kind of miss the simplicity of a routine and getting up and so that's one of the reasons why I moved back to Los Angeles is like I'm kind of it's the I'm restarting myself it's the rebirth of the Z man it's the rebirth of Chad Zumok Zumok 2.0 I uh I I was I was in a weird depression funk there back home I my mom died from cancer last oh, year I'm sorry Chad uh you had nothing to do with it uh, but I, it took a toll on me because I was on the road when she died. And oh, fuck. Yeah, no, that's not right. Yeah, so the past year it's been kind of a, a, a fight with my demons, and I've been drinking more, and I was getting out of control. I was getting drunk. And then right around in January, I was so drunk. And when, I, when I'm when i drunk, I like to shoplift. It's just it's like, it's like my favorite thing. You stole the light at the Sycamore Tavern. That was an accident, but I returned the... <laughs> you were drunk, though. <laughs> I did. I wasn't... Okay, so what are you saying? Uh, Tully oh, does a yeah. show on Tuesdays at the Sycamore Tavern here in West Hollywood, and they have like a like a, a remote for the light, so you could light the comic. Well, And, and let me explain that, because I didn't know. The first time I did a show with Bert, I was at the Irvine, Irvine Improv, and the guy's like, okay, I'll light you at nine minutes. And I'm like, oh. I, I mean, I seem to have the lights on the whole time. Yeah. Like, I have no... I literally went up on stage and got lit. How It just so happened I was kind of done anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the light is the thing that they put on to tell the comic get the get out. Of Wrap here. it up. Yeah. So I, I I actually or 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 if you're Eddie Bravo, go for another twenty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was I was running a show there. I did a show, and I was like the guy timing the comic. So I put the light on, you know. But I was you know <laughs> drunk. And I took the t- the clicker home with me back to Ohio, mm. and I had a UPS back to Tully. Yeah. So you're out on the road. That that seems absolutely. Um, I think if you're older than I'm going to say 25 years old, the road is unless you're doing it like first class. The road is no place for a human being. It's hard. It's it's fun going to a new city and a new club, a club you've always wanted to do. You're excited to be there. It's fun, but when you come back to that club and you come back to that club again and that city again, it gets a little old, little grind. When you know what shitty restaurant you're gonna get stuck eating at again. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's easier for a guy like me. We're around the same age, but you have a family. Mm. And I don't. Yeah. So I can maneuver a little bit better, but at the same time, it's still kind of you're in that hotel room, and you know, a lot of free time and free time. The idle mind's the devil's playground. I like to go and do bad things. So for me, you drug guy. I was never a drug guy. You know what's so funny? I'm a raging alcoholic, and I have a problem. So I quit drinking. Well, I'm in the process of it. I'm sober right now, but. That's I, great. I never touched the drugs. I don't know why. I, I think it's because I was scared where that would take me. Were you like a bad drinker from the time you started? No, I was. I was. I didn't drink till I was twenty-two. I didn't drink at all in high school. I no, had you missed, one beer. You missed the good part. Yeah, but no, I, I got caught up. Trust me. I had some amazing times and some of the worst times. So I, I basically, 
uh, from 22 on, I started to just it got it would get worse. I would stop. It would get bad and stop. But this this past time, it was like, all right, it's I have to stop. It's not good because I just I get reckless. I'm out of control. The more chaos, the more danger, the better. Like, like give me an example, because I, I feel like y- you remind me a little bit of Sam Tripoli right now, where in generalities you talk like you're like Sam Kinison reincarnated, but I have trouble actually picturing you doing like, uh, yeah, sure, maybe you like, uh, maybe you took down a stop sign or something. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> I've uh, t- I've taken down a tree. Uh, <laughs> With the, but, uh, by what means? Driving a, an automobile, like oh. driving drunk, which is not good to do. I think we can agree on that. Uh, I was doing, I was trying out some new material last night. The Sycamore Tavern. Turns out the younger generation don't find drunk driving all that funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It's I like- just brought, it was just a, it was an old story. I one time I I've told this on the Jason Ellis show before. I was driving home and I didn't know how I, I don't know how to operate cars at all. Yeah, I'm drunk or sober, and I'm driving home and I am drunk and my high beams are on and I don't. I thought my car was broken. I didn't know how to turn the high beams off. I actually thought it was a mechanical malfunction. Right. So I don't want to attract attention to myself because I'm driving drunk with high beams on. So I'm alternating between high beams on and turning off the lights entirely. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. And it's just the premise of, so I was driving drunk and the guy's like, no, no. And I'm like, God, you guys. I mean, I don't encourage driving drunk. No. But- Here's Funny a, things can happen when you do stuff you absolutely shouldn't be Right, doing. everybody's done it. And I, I, would, I grew up in a generation where I remember my uncle, when I was five years old, it was like 1979 or 1981, I don't remember, he would pick me up and there would be a beer in the council. And his, it was just part of, you know, what... And then it became this whole thing, Mothers Against Drink. But I'm not an advocate for it. It's, it's all fucked up. But at the same time, texting and driving, smoking weed. If you're impaired in driving, it's bad. That is true. The guy who was booing me is almost definitely a texting driver. Yeah. You know, I found myself thinking the other day, I'm a parent, and you get very irresponsible with the second one. Um, I found myself thinking, because it's the worst part of traveling with kids other than them. When they're real little, other than them maybe crying in the car, it's just getting them in and out, in and out of the car seat. So annoying. And I actually, I had this, you know, when you just think something and like the, the safeguards just aren't there to stop you from, you just, you're free to think whatever you want. Oh, yeah. And I go, wait a second. The only reason we use car seats for kids is in case we get in an accident. How often do you get in an accident? I absolutely could hold my daughter yeah. in the back seat and unless... Somebody hit us or we hit somebody, it would be absolutely fine and she would be completely happy and the problem I'm about to face over and over and over again for the next two years wouldn't even be an issue. Right. And I had to like for two seconds talk myself out of just abandoning car seats altogether because when am I really going to get in that accident? <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> I hope you're workshopping stuff on me right now so you can take it to the sycamore. <laughs> it always goes better here and I feel like, oh, I used to do that on stage and then I do it on stage. But boo, boo. Boo. Bring out somebody... If, Who's also terrible? Because <laughs> no, a terrible person. So I'm back now. I'm back in L.A. and I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm, when I'm here, I'm more focused. And a lot of people don't drink out here, so I'm like, yeah, I'm more in the zone. And you, you, you're with the best, the best. You're going up. You're banging with the best. You, and I have a competitive nature, so I was like, I, I want to be at my best out here. So I want to be more L.A. based and less road. And uh, let's see, see what happens, Mike Tully. I think that's where it's at. I don't know Theo Vaughn very well, but I'm led to believe that he stopped drinking at a certain point. 
and uh, I don't know Theovon very well, but in my opinion, it seems like he became a way better comic yeah. in the last couple of years, and I feel like there's a huge relationship between those two things. He was good. He was known. People knew him from MTV. He could tour. He had a special. God damn, is he great now. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like... I feel like the sober thing's been really, really good for him. I don't know. I have no idea about why, what reasons he may or may not have needed to do it personally, but professionally, it just seems like it's been amazing for him. No, he's been actually uh, inspiration from afar because he was a guy who quit drinking. I, you know, Theo's a great guy, yeah. and I saw him just kind of blossom. And then I, I was sober for like a year and a half, and I this was like 2015. And that's when all the good shit started happening to me. I got my TV credit. I got a writing gig. I was like doing all the. I was like, okay, that's there's something going on there. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time, you know. And don't get me wrong, I've, I, I, I love to have a beer and watch a game. It's the best thing in the world. But my problem is, I can't have a beer and watch a game. I have to have twenty eight beers and watch a game, and that's when it becomes a problem. Isn't it just easier to skip it all together? Yes, yes. Yeah. You're better than that. You're bigger than that, Chad Zumach. Thank you. What games do you enjoy watching? All your teams are awful now, aren't they? <laughs> the Browns are good, are they? We missed. I gave up on the NFL. I don't know. We uh, the Browns are they're they're coming back. We had uh, Baker Mayfield, who was a great great addition to the squad. He was uh, a quarterback, right? Exciting quarterback, exciting. Did you read that ESPN takedown of the ownership and what an incompetent ninny he is? Oh well, yeah. Jimmy Haslam's a piece of crap. Yeah. All those owners are Dan Gilbert. They're all garbage. Oh yeah, you have a lot of really bad owners in uh, in Cleveland. Is that you have the two teams, huh? Oh, you got the Indians. Too. Indians too. Yeah. Uh, the Dolans are cheapskates. It's uh. But you have Dolans too. We do have Dolans. Different Dolans. I think so. I don't know if they're related or not. Are there other shitty Dolans running teams? Yeah, maybe that, it's a thing. Really? Yeah. Maybe they're like the Bushes. Yeah, they're like the Jackson brothers of, <laughs> and there just is no Michael. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you know, but I'm still a Cavs fan, even though LeBron came to L.A. and uh, which is, by the way, I, I can go off on this. Feel free. Well, I we I believe I had my fun with you the last time we spoke on air for welcoming him back with open arms, and I mean, all was forgiven when he returned. And I know you got the championship, but yeah. still, he guys burned his jersey on the way out. There's I'll- a reason you did that. Well, yeah, you know, it was girl, girl, there's a reason you broke up with him the first time. Exactly. And he came back, like you said, all was forgiven. He said everything you wanted to hear. Like, I want to raise my kids in Northeast Ohio. Is that what he said? Go back and read it. (laughs) Read the the Sports (laughs) Illustrated. He's like, I want to see what would be like raising my kids in Northeast Ohio and retiring a calf. Like, you know. (laughs) He will say anything. Dude, that dude is a. I hope he's listening right now. That dude is a douche. He's an unoriginal tool. He's a pandering asshole. He'll say whatever he has to say. I I, I don't I like. There, I think there is a fundamental lack of uh, fixed identity when it comes comes to him. Kobe was a bit like that too. Like he just made himself Mamba at some point. Kobe, yeah. Kobe, Kobe was a French rapper, and then he was a Mamba, and then he was a, a guy who hung out in hotel rooms in Colorado. There were a lot of faces, yeah. and then he was a mentor, and then he just took every shot. Like there was not a fixed identity for Kobe either. Yeah, with Le- LeBron, like even like the teams that he likes, he grew. Up, he was never a Cleveland mm-hmm. fan. He he was a uh, he was a, at one point a Broncos fan when they were good with uh, and then he was a Cowboys fan. Isn't he a Cowboys Yankees people? He's person? a Yankees guy. He would come to Indians games in Yankees gear. Cowboys Yankees people's are, people are the freaking worst, and I hope some of you are listening. Yeah, that's the biggest front runner ever, ever, ever. Yeah. And then he comes back to Cleveland. He's pretending like he's a huge Indians fan, a big Browns fan. He's wearing. He's coming to Cleveland uh, World Series games with Cleveland or die or you're not from here or whatever. And then. He just skips out in town, and now he's like 
oh, I'm showing up to the uh, the Cowboys Rams game, but I'm in the Rams locker room, and I guarantee you, and I bet you, I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, are we live? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee right you, now, LeBron James will be at the Super Bowl in Rams gear. I bet you any amount of money, tweet at me, hit me on Instagram, I don't care. He will be there, even though they're slave owners, even though they're slave owners, he will be at the Super Bowl in Rams gear. Oh, that was an NFL owners thing, right? Yeah, he he was on that, that barbershop HBO show saying how NFL owners are slave owners. Yeah, his show, because uh, he's in Hollywood, he has to have like a million shows now. Uh, but he's he's just a hypocrite. I'm not a big LeBron fan. I never was. I tried to tell you that. I know it's it, dude. It's so hard. I remember uh, we may have even I may even said this last time when motherfucking a rod. Like it was just such a slow motion car crash. I knew the Yankees were gonna get a rod. They were just dancing around it for forever. It was like Durant going to the Warriors. You knew it was gonna happen a year ahead of time, and it still sucked when it happened. Yeah. It didn't soften the blow at all. I didn't see Durant going to the Warriors. Well, I just heard the chatter that you know they. First, it was it's theoretically possible they could clear the the cap space, and then it was, and I think everybody just thought they wouldn't because it would be so disgusting. Yes, yeah. they could, and it's funny, it's crazy that that actually is true because of the contract they have Stefan and Clay. And Jay, By the way, Jay I think the biggest bitch move, worse than the decision, Kevin Durant. It's a bitch move. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. We're doing a basketball pod now. Um, Sorry, no, I'm I'm totally I'm totally fine with that. Should I go grab Convino and Rich? When um, when LeBron going to the Heat was completely it was a defensible move. He tried in his in his hometown. They really had not. He had made his mistakes as well. They hadn't built a very good team around him. He was a free agent. He didn't feel like being in Cleveland. Wanted to go to Miami. He was a guy in his mid you know late twenties. It all made sense. The way he did it. Once you do that TV show, you have to stay. Yeah, have to. The only reason to do that is to go. Ah, oh, you guys, I could never leave Cleveland. Right. But the decision, the the the, the, the lowercase d decision, is, uh, is is completely fine. I didn't mind him teaming up with his friends. He was putting a stamp on the league. That and to was, his to his yeah. defense, and I hate LeBron. That team was unproven that he went to. Nobody knew how that was going to gel or come together. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he had to you know the, the 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 model was always and I can have it both ways with LeBron the model was always you're going to go and this is going to be your team and he really wanted to have a new archetype of we're going to share the stardom and I do believe that's partially because probably it was Dwayne Wade's idea because yeah. Dwayne Wade definitely seemed like the alpha dog mentally around there I'll bring it up yet again when they're playing the Mavs in the finals and they're walking through the hallway and Dwayne Wade does the fake cough because they're alleging that Dirk is pretending he has a cold and then LeBron does it after Dwayne Wade. Because he's a yeah, follower. Yeah, boss. Because he's a pure follower. Yeah. That is exactly right. But the decision to go there uh, made sense and it was kind of cool. He wanted to build a team where they were going to, you know, he'd always been LeBron since he was in seventh grade. He'd never been on a team. It was always LeBron and the four guys who have to be on the court so they can play the game. He wanted to be a a member of a team. I believe that was sincere. Durant, you just can't, and I hate that the narrative has become either he should have stayed with Oklahoma City or uh, he's a free agent, he's earned that, you get to go to whatever job you want, why shouldn't Kevin Durant get the same thing? Durant was completely free to leave. I can understand wanting to get away from Russ. You just can't go to like the two teams that beat you. Yeah, when you're it's up, that simple, and you're up three one on yeah, that team, three one. I know, and choke, yeah. and then you're like, oh, I'll go join them now. Yeah, that's a bitch move. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So my basketball team is uh, better than yours now. That's crazy. What is your basketball team? Uh, I'm Brooklyn Nets fan. 
Ah. I'm that, in case you're wondering where, where that guy was. You what? I, I, I can't believe this turned into a basketball podcast, oh, but okay. you know who's very beloved in Cleveland? And he does uh, color commentary is uh, Richard Jefferson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like Richard Jefferson. They're, he is beloved in Cleveland. Yeah. They really, really, like he really knew how to speak to that city and they embraced him. He's a solid dude. Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Jason Kidd, Carrie Kittles. Ah, Carrie Kittles. Carrie Kittles, uh, Kenyon Martin running the Kenyon fast Martin break. Martin yeah. from Cincinnati. Jason Collins. I'm just naming Nets now. You, <laughs> you, you, do you have a new podcast with Sam Tripoli? I, I do. <laughs> Sam Tripley, who's been on the Tully show a, a lot, yeah, he's a he's, he's good, a mentor of mine. He's a mentor of mine. He's one of my best friends in comedy. Uh, it w- I'm, I'm, I actually joined his Punch Drunk podcast. His Punch Drunk. I'm on that show, but then he decided to start another podcast. Uh, it's called By Chad, and he just started recording our conversations. And I, I'm pretty sure it's illegal. <laughs> and then he just puts them out, and now it's like these are actual conversations we're having. And I don't know when he's recording and when he's not. So I get like almost I'm scared to talk to him now. Like I hit ignore a lot because I'm like I'm I have I'm too emotional right now. I don't want to burn a bridge and piss somebody off. So it's out there, it's on SoundCloud. I don't know where the hell it's I haven't listened to one episode, but people were Well, you were there the first time. Yeah, I was. <laughs> but I was at the comedy store yesterday. You were at the comedy store, we we're hanging out, yeah. and everyone's coming up, they're going, Bye Chad, bye Chad. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? So yeah, I have a podcast that I don't know anything about and it, apparently it's a cult favorite that's awesome it's uh yeah sam tripley's brainchild uh and you have an album as well i do i have a no uh a new album it's only about a month old it's called a white guy named chad we got the number five in the country congratulations yeah you can get it on itunes wherever you get music go get it pandora well, i don't know how you get it just grab it it's cheap uh but it's a call a white guy named chad because it's 2019 and I'm, and I'm a white guy named chad it's an uphill battle Oh, come on. You're not doing that thing, are you? Come on. It is. You know, okay, here's here's a story, Tully. I was at the Hollywood Improv. This is about eight months ago. And there was an agency in town. I don't want to name them. I don't want to blow up their spot in case, you know. And they sent a representative to come see me. I went up after Dane Cook. And I was basically auditioning for this agency. And we, you've had great sets. We've had bad sets. I had a great set that night. I had applause breaks. I never felt better in my life. I get off. I see the agency people. They're hanging out at the bar. I go up to them. I go, hey, guys. And they're like, oh, great set, man. Oh, you were great tonight. You know, all that Hollywood bullshit. And I go, yeah, man. I was like, you know, uh, my, I had a mutual friend that hooked this meeting up. And they're like, yeah, I'd love to you know, work with you guys. I got some ideas. I got a script that, I, that I've been trying to shop. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, you were great, buddy. He goes, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do with a white guy named Chad. I go, what? Excuse me? He's like, hey, it's just like, you know, the climate's changed. Things are different, man. He goes, and I, I'm like, are you punking me? Like, what's going on? I go, he goes, I just don't know what to do. I go, what about those laughs in there? Well, can you do something with that? Like, I I made laughs happen. Like, he's just like, you know, it's just, you know, we're not really signing anyone right now. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I felt this. It's uh-huh. not a fake thing. Okay. It was said to my face. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I take back what I what I said. Because I do see a lot of, there's a lot of straw man stuff in stand up about, you know, Oh, people tell you nowadays, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know that you've actually really. Maybe you've seen that person on Twitter. Maybe you've heard about such a person yelling in some sort of article on Vulture, or you know, or Gawker, or Defamer, or what have you. But I don't. I actually, I feel like we all act like the world has changed for other people. 
Ah, people nowadays, people nowadays. But like, I I haven't actually seen the people in my circle turn on me and go, just so you know, it's 2019 now and everything has to change about our relationship because I've had, I've become woke and had an, and had an awakening. So I feel like everybody thinks everybody else is changing, but what you're specifically saying right there is, uh, yeah, you are you are the exact opposite of the flavor of the month. It, well, yeah, opportunity and gatekeepers. That's that's where being a white guy named Chad or a white guy named anybody is. It, it's it's they're not they're specifically they're casting like it's a Taco Bell commercial at this point. They're not. It, funny doesn't matter. Talent should be rewarded. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest comedians in the world is a comedian named Godfrey. I work with him all the time. Yeah, yeah, sure, he's a great guy. Prolific does a new hour every night. This guy should be the, one of the biggest stars. and he, I'm, I'm not just saying it because it's a friend of mine. He's just a talented son of a bitch. But he has this, what they're calling uh, masculine, uh, whatever. Toxic masculinity? Yeah, and he's an alpha male. And he that's why he's not getting elevated and pushed. Because he has that. And for some reason, they're just trying to chop that down. They're trying to like tear you down where you're just not that guy anymore. And it's just it's a weird time right now. It's just very strange. Yeah, I think there's always going to be fads, and then I think talent's always going to win out. And there's always going to be some people who, you know, there's always going to be a period of time where the world decides that Janine Garofalo's a top-flight stand-up comic because she's exactly what the cultural moment calls for. But to Gene uh, Garofalo's uh, defense, yeah, she was the first out of everybody. She was doing this when it wasn't cool, when it wasn't popular. She was always that. And she was actually one of the first. I respect her and her her politics because... She's she's uh she has common sense. She can have a conversation. She was one of the first people to stick up for Louis. Mm-hmm. She came out publicly and said Louis's a friend. You know he screwed up. Give him a chance. And I can respect that. But there's a lot of people that just read the headlines and just yell just to yell. And they're yeah. like, Louis's a piece of crap. He's garbage. You know, without having a conversation, if you like him, you're garbage. So, right, I respect Janine Garofalo. Right, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't not respect Janine Garofalo. I just, I do not respect Jeannie Bus. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I may have lost respect for her on the way into the studio this morning. There's always going to be some people who either fit what people want at a moment and um, what the industry thinks people want at a given moment. And uh, sometimes that open door opens doors for people who have a lot of talent who wouldn't have gotten a shot before to be, you know, p- people look at them in a new light and it allows talent to get ahead. But if people are only getting ahead because there's the perception that this is what people want, they will get their shot yeah. whether or not they deserve it. But if they don't deliver the goods, I, I, I still believe there will always be enough seats at the table for all of the talented people eventually. I do not see a ton of people who I judge to be. I see a lot more people who I don't think are particularly good at their job in oh, entertainment, yeah. making a good living, than I see lots of people who I think are unbelievably great who can't make a living. Yeah. So I think in its own crude way, the cream does rise. I like half full Tully. Yeah. I wish I had the optimism you do. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, kind of yeah. beaten up. I see. You know, I haven't been. I, I've only been in stand up a couple of years. Give me, give me some time. I'll get crushed. <laughs> Uh, we got to go, Chad. So the podcast that you would prefer people listen to is... Uh, I have a podcast called the Sit Down Zumach Podcast, which you can get on iTunes. It's great. Mike's been on it a few times, and uh, check that out. It's free to subscribe. And your album is A White Guy Named Chad. Chad. And you're at Chad Zumach everywhere. Everywhere. Thank you, buddy. I love you. I love you. I love you too. I got to people say that and then I just let it <laughs> hang there awkwardly. I love you too, Chip. <laughs> <laughs>